I try not to comment on whatever the news of the day or the news cycle is, unless I think I have something unique to say. And so on this new formatted episode of the Corey Truax Show, I have two topics for you. One is a hard truth about an abortion debate happening right now, hard for people like me, and some truth, I think, about the controversy of the Tennessee Three. We're going to spend the next 20 or 30 minutes on just those two things, and we will call it a show. So welcome to it. Again, new format. I've got some ideas that will probably launch next episode, because what should happen there in a typical podcast is I give you the teaser, and there's some kind of song, and then we come back and talk about the topics. But not going to do that. I am I'm now long enough in to these two stories. I'll give you the details in a minute. To, th- to recognize, I think what I'm about to give you is not is not in, inside the commentariat. I've heard enough of what like a, a Ben Shapiro or a Matt Walsh or an Ali Beth Stuckey has said to, to that I think I don't think anyone has said these things yet. So here you go. One, if you haven't heard, there is conflicting federal judges that are making rulings on a drug called misoprostol. Oh, man, it's hard. Misopristone. It is, an, it is an abortion drug. It is apparently also used in verified miscarriages to, the word is not induce, but whatever the word would be to have the woman pass the, or birth the, however you want to say this, um, that there's miscar- There's a miscarried child, there's tissue, and this drug apparently causes the extraction, I'm not using medical terms here, of that tissue. But it certainly is an abortion drug as well. Apparently about half of abortions, I didn't know this, were, uh, were, were those drugs. And so that's one thing happening out in the abortion world. Part two happening in the abortion world. It became clear in, a, a, in an election with, uh, what was that, in Wisconsin over Supreme Court judgeship. Wisconsin, which has become prob- probably our swingiest state when you look at Registration numbers and margin of victory caught the last 10 years. This was a kind of a blowout for the very pro-abortion candidate, and abortion was the big uh, the big deal. And also 2022 showed us that. Um, that the country is not the, the country's not super pro-abortion in the late trimesters, but the country's plurality position, and it might be majority position, is the majority position is we heart abortion. We love having it as an option. And the people that want to eliminate it, like me, are seen as a threat. And so you have uh, this the, the drug being debated. You have some now election outcomes that are challenging for those of us who are pro-life and want to see abortion ended the same way that we wanted to see, that we want to see or wanted to see slavery ended. I, I hope that would have been us if we would have been alive at the time. Now here's the hard thing. It, it was almost like we weren't ready for Roe to be overturned because we find ourselves at an inflection point on what to do next in trying to eliminate abortion. Let me say, say here's, uh, I'll just say the hard thing. If we do all the things we want to do on abortion, we go as hard as we can, the, the political likelihood is putting into power people who love abortion, they think it's a moral good, and want to see more of them. That Wisconsin Supreme Court election. Our desire is to see abortion ended. The tactic of saying that out loud is going to lead to more abortions in Wisconsin. 
the the uh, let's say people who are pro life just start losing elections like crazy in part because of our very hard stance and good and moral and right stance on abortion the unintended consequence might be the empowerment of those that would expand abortion more than we could ever have as a nightmare there's even now states in response to the six week the six week laws like the, some states are doing are now setting up funds and expanding abortion that might, might almost out of spite it seems expand expand their abortion laws to make sure it includes all through 40 weeks of gestation i th- i think there is there is a possibility that our good and moral and right goal to see abortion banned might actually cause abortions to expand. I know that's counterintuitive, but the evidence is showing me that it it more than likely will put into power people that will expand abortion and also causes states that are pro-abortion to make it easier and to try to encourage encourage it more. So we can have the moral stand, and we should, but there are some practical questions to ask. There's There is a, a real risk to trying to win the law before you win the argument. Margaret Thatcher has that famous quote, the former Prime Minister of Great Britain. First you win the argument, and then you win the vote. Let me just say this out loud, this very uncomfortable thing. We've not won the argument. The last 50 years of talking about abortion has, in large part, seared the consciences of a lot of people including those that are affiliated with faith, maybe even some in churches who are very confused, where they just don't, they don't hear it and hear what we hear. We hear horror. I, I don't mind saying it out loud. I say it out loud to people in abortion discussions to be not just provocative for the sake of provocation, but to get them to think of, of what I'm saying. This is our slavery. The way that you that we all feel about slavery, the idea that someone would be taken from their home in West Africa and made to have forced labor, and then someone would just say, yeah, that's okay. It blows our minds that anyone was ever okay with it. That's how I am about abortion. I can't believe that we're doing it. It's appalling. It's atrocious that it's happening. The country is so far from that. It's not even close. And so what I'm saying is if we actually want abolition, are we are we going to be okay with the practical reality that that might take 10 years, 15, 20, 30, 40 years? It might take winning the people before we can actually get that law done? Because here's what I'm starting to... I'm starting to see this from, in particular, the governor of Florida. You know, he's he's done all these very conservative things, mostly stuff that I'm a fan of in his state. But you, you notice something he didn't do? After Roe was passed state legislatures and conservative states started passing six-week abortion bans or other abortion bans out west in Idaho, the Dakotas, Georgia, passed a six-week abortion ban. There were heartbeat bills, which apparently happens very, very early in a lot of these states. But Florida, very slow. And it it would be hard for me to be convinced that the governor of Florida, DeSantis, didn't have a hand in that. He, 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 He picks his fights well. He picks his fights where he has large plurality or majority support. And I think he knows he doesn't have a majority position. So Even this week, though, the legislature did pass in Florida a six-week ban, and he signed it. 
Did you notice? No signing ceremony. No big press conference. He put out a statement that the bill was signed. It was law. But he, he did it on a Friday. I'm almost positive he did it on a Friday afternoon. Bury it in the weekend. He doesn't want to have to defend this in a coming in a coming presidential campaign because he knows electorally it is a loser. I know that's uncomfortable. I don't like it. It's a loser. And it's it's at least worth asking yourself, are you willing to, to politically to go incrementally and not go whole hog right here because you might actually, if that position might actually end in more abortions. I can be talked out of that. I could be told that is some kind of pragmatism. I'm open to discussion that might turn into correction you can get me at Corey Truax show at gmail.com Corey Truax show at gmail.com or find me wherever you're on Facebook Twitter or Instagram Facebook Twitter or Instagram I don't know maybe TikTok in the future but that's where all the eyeballs are but if you have comments on that I would take them too I also just realized I I want to also cover um, the presidential primary we're gonna get super political there the presidential primary field as it comes into uh, comes into its fullness. But first, this thing in Tennessee, uh, the facts. There was the terrible shooting there at that Presbyterian school. There was a gigantic demonstration, well, a large demonstration at the Capitol building there in Nashville that included people storming the Capitol, going into the actual Capitol floor, and the what's it called, the gallery in the rotunda. You probably saw, you have the facts, but just in case. Uh, two members of the Tennessee House, Justin Pearson and Justin, another person I can't remember the name of, uh, weren't being called on, and so they joined in this protest. They had bullhorns on the House floor, and were, were generally out of out of order and out of the normal decorum for these things. The Tennessee House Republicans responded by expelling them for their behavior, which is that is a, a severe, uh, a really severe. Uh, consequence. I mean, you're straight up told you're telling the constituents of those of those this districts you're going to find somebody else. But they didn't find someone else. The local city councils there and the, the councils that could reappoint them reappointed them. So those guys are back there in Tennessee and back on microphones and being just as dramatic about everything. So that's the facts. This is where I think I'm unique. It seems to be that there is. One in particular person I could name who's just like, well, expel them again. And if they send it back, expel them again. If that's all that the Tennessee House does for the rest of the session, fine. Keep expelling them because you have to you have to take theirs. You have to punish them for what they've done. And then there is the wailing and the gnashing of teeth that this is the most racist-y, racist thing that's ever been racist. And it's, it's horrific and terrible that the Tennessee House Republicans did this. Where, where I stand is uh, th- this phrase, missed opportunity. I, I, what, what they did was wrong. There should be a punishment for what they did. They should, you, you don't get to do that. You don't get to act like that out of order and not have any kinds of consequence. So yeah, sh- they should be punished. Well, what an opportunity that would have been for the party in power to say to two young men, these guys are in their, I think, mid-20s, maybe late-20s, they're young dudes. To give them the opportunity for some growth, to bridge build, and get some kind of apology from them, actually sit down and say, you know, we could do a censure. 
we could do cause censure is just a formal disciplinary statement. Like the house is is d- d- condemning what they did. I mean, we could even trade if you guys would just say, and we got out of hand. If you would just apologize for it, we don't have to do anything. We can move on. There was a real opportunity here to demonstrate as leaders, as representatives, to the rest of us, here's a restorative process, and here's what it's like to take responsibility for your actions. And if if there would have been any bridge building there, that would have been healthy. But there's no incentive for bridge building. You can't fundraise off of can't fundraise off of it. People in your own party will call you soft once you've primaried and taken out. Here's what I've noticed about the level of partisanship that we're in politically, at least in that one part of life, is it's part of a gang mentality. You see this in some of the movies that feature gangs. The the concept ends up being we're gonna do to the other side whatever we think they would do to us. So we think they would expel us. We think, in, in gang violence, we think they would kill us in the situation, so we will kill them. It's, it's also that gang violence mentality that when we have the opportunity to get a couple of theirs, we've got to take theirs out. Because we know this is true. When they have the opportunity, they're going to take us out. We're at war. That is this poisonous mindset that I don't know how to dig us out of. But what it what it caused was a very missed opportunity that could have been for bridge building, coalition building, some kind of reconciliation. Instead, they escalated. Now the escalation is is even worse, in part because just media. I think what happens with a lot of a lot of conservatism now, they they are just so frustrated with knowing the conduits of information are never going to say we did the right thing. They're always going to say that we're the bad guys, and so. If we're going to be called stuff anyway, we might as well clobber our enemies. We might as well just do everything we possibly can to them because if we do little or we do a lot, we're going to be called the same things. We're going to be the villain in the narrative. And so if we're going to be the villain of the narrative, let's be a really harsh villain. While I think that is wrong, it's the wrong stance to take, I can see I can see where they got there. If you can only ever be the villain, then what are you going to start acting like? The villain. The media make this worse by making it impossible for anyone a little bit right of center to ever win a news cycle. That's not an excuse for doing the wrong thing. It's not an excuse for not trying to, again, coalition build, bridge build, reconcile. It's not an excuse for not doing that. It's just a reason. Reasons aren't excuses, but there is a reason. And it's only going to escalate more now. These are Gen Z dudes. You know what Gen Z has as their oxygen? What keeps them alive is fame. Keeps them alive is attention, followers, clicks. These two young dudes are now going to be famous for a decade. They'll eventually be forgotten when the next you know, political celebrity comes along. But they get to go be on TV. They get to go make, really, I could play for you some of the audio, some ridiculous, uh, ridiculous statements into microphones. And they'll just keep getting attention and keep getting lauded. All right. If you have thoughts on that. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, look for me, Corey Truax, or find me at Corey Truax Show at gmail.com. Corey Truax Show at gmail.com. Final thing for today. We now have, doing this, doing this off the top of my head, a, a primary season coming into focus where the former president of the United States is under an indictment, could be facing other indictments, and is far and away the forerunner, the front runner, says he won't drop out no matter what happens to him legally. 
he almost seems inevitable, unbeatable. At some, sometimes he just seems unbeatable in our, our format where he has a solid 35 36% of voters in, this, in that party, and there's literally nothing. There's literally nothing he could do. I mean, he, he said it. I, I think this is true of about 35 36% of that population. He could murder a child with his bare hands, and they they would blame the media and stick with him. So I, I don't, I just don't, I, I don't know how he does not win this thing. But here are some crystallizing I, I, I find happening. There was there's the the real uh, the other alternative that has a lot of a lot of juice behind them is the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. But now there's the risk happening where people that are fine and decent, people I like a lot, a lot. Vivek Ramaswamy is interesting. Nikki Haley is interesting. Tim Scott is interesting. Asa Hutchinson is running. He's the former governor of Arkansas, I think I'm right. As that continues to happen, as more names get involved, oh, I think um, Larry Hogan, the governor of Maryland, is, has actually officially declared that just dilutes the vote. And if that continues to happen, if it's six, seven, eight, then it is just set and settled. The, the nominee will be a person who's under indictment and facing all those legal challenges. There is also, to me, some clear, uh, let's go with strategy being played, especially by Haley and Scott. The South Carolina Republican primary has chosen the Republican nominee every year for the last, I think it's 100 years, except for one year, 2012, when Mitt Romney won the nomination. South Carolina is often the catalyst to go on to win the rest of the primary season. Both Tim Scott and Nikki Haley are super popular in the state. Both of them know they have very literally no chance of winning the nomination. I suspect both of them are playing leverage. They are going to build some kind of support. They're both very popular in the state. And after the beginning of this primary really does crystallize, there's going to be both of them in a room with a Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump saying, what can I trade my endorsement for? I want to drop out, get my name off the ballot. I don't want to, I won't run in South Carolina, but I'm very popular in South Carolina. What can you give me? Is it vice president? Is it attorney general? Well, neither one of them are qualified for attorney general. Uh, Secretary of state, whatever it is, what will you give me? for that endorsement. I think that's the game they're playing. All right. Actually, it was faster than I thought, uh, but as it crystallizes, I thought I would update. Just personal opinion. I- I'm going to be pretty quiet about the entire primary system. I've did an episode a while back where I was saying, you know, this this is it's always dramatic because of the personalities involved. I, mean, I, was a real, I was a really toxic figure in the last primary. I don't want to ever do it again. Actually, me and my wife had a great conversation about just how, as we grow together, as we grow in in spiritual things, just news cycles don't affect us the way they used to. It's just really easy to go through the entire day and go, you know, I have not clicked on one news app. Wow, this is, and I'm so much happier for it. I, I want that to be the case even throughout the primary season. I think right now, all I would say, someone did text me and ask, it was a friend, not a listener. When it comes to South Carolina, I'm just going to quietly vote for whomever it meets this nexus is most likely to defeat the former president and is 
the most conservative or holds to the worldview most aligned with mine. Like I'm, I'm sure there are going to be candidates that more closely align with my worldview than Ron DeSantis, but he's likely to be the most conservative or most aligns with my worldview and likely to win. Those are the, the two uh, Y and X axis that I'm going to consider and just quietly, not into the microphone, I'm sure I'll say into a microphone, but I'm not doing that social media stuff. That stuff's just toxic. Uh, that's it. Hey, that's uh, episode 345 into the books. I think next episode is going to sound different. We'll start getting back to some music and some themes and some structure. And uh, I guess like some fun stuff prepared. Thank you for listening to The Corey Act Show. I'll be back next week. Until then, everybody, peace and love.